Be seated. Scripture reading this morning is going to come from James chapter 3. James chapter 3, we're going to read verses 17 and 18. James chapter 3, verses 17 through 18. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Good morning. Before I begin, I'd just like to point out that this Thursday we'll be continuing the Young Adult Bible Studies in my office. It's at 7 p.m. We'll be starting a study on the parables this time around. We'll be starting with the parable of the sower. Um, we just started this morning um, our Sunday morning class on the Sermon on the Mount. So if you haven't gotten to come to that today, please feel free to come. Um, look, moving forward, uh, Tim will be teaching next week and we'll be, we'll be switching off each Sunday. So looking forward to more time spent with you all. I'd also just like to say thank you personally from the bottom of my heart because this marks a year that I've been here officially. Um, it didn't even really occur to me until I was looking at my Facebook memories and I, and I saw my post from that time, um, which I in part made as a reminder for, for this today. I just wanna thank you all for your kindness and your generosity, your patience with me, um, and I just pray that we have many, many more years to just serve the Lord together. So thank you all for letting me be a part of your family here and looking forward to many more years of it. What does it mean to be wise? I think sometimes we throw out that word thinking that we understand what it means and sometimes we throw it out in, with good intentions. We may refer to an individual as a wise person when they, when they say things that make us think, when they choose to not say certain things. Um, we, we think about wisdom in a, in a positive way but not necessarily by the standard of the word of God. And ultimately what this lesson is about is to make us consider wisdom in the same way as we would our worship, is the same way that we would our daily ethics, and that being by the standard that is the word of God. One thing that we learn about wisdom when we, when we just look through the pages of scripture is that heavenly wisdom is not primarily intellectual, but it's primarily spiritual. We learn this isn't just about how much you know, it's about how you practice what you know. When we think about this phrase, practical wisdom, it's, it's meaning that exactly. It's putting into practice the things that we have learned in wisdom. But going one step further, James talks to us quite a bit about what the wisdom from above looks like, what heavenly wisdom looks like. And very briefly this morning, we want to talk through a few things about the wisdom from above. We'll, we'll break this down in three ways. First of all, the wisdom from above is, in verse 13, it's visible. It needs to be shown and it needs to be exemplified. Verses 14 through 16, it's modest, it's humble. It doesn't seek after its own gain. It doesn't seek to just look good. True wisdom, true heavenly wisdom is unassuming. And finally, in verses 17 through 18, the wisdom from above is fruitful. It's fruitful. All three of these attributes show what it means to be a truly wise person. And there are so many secular philosophers we could talk about, so many songwriters, artists, and authors we could think about, and I, I'm willing to bet that very few of them, if any, really come down to the definition of wisdom that God gives us through James here. So let's just spend a few moments talking about this together. First of all, the wisdom from above is visible. Let's read verse 13. 
Who is wise and understanding among you? By good conduct, he must demonstrate his works in the humility of wisdom, or the ESV has in the meekness of wisdom. If we are to be wise people, that means that we need to allow that wisdom to be showcased, and not for the sake of being seen by people, but for people to really know this person is a follower of Christ, this individual is someone who's wise by a divine standard. So how is this done? If we're to make our wisdom from above visible, it needs to be visible with good behavior with good behavior. By his good conduct, let him show his works, right? And also we need to show that with humility. If we do what we do with bad motivations, if we do it with malicious intent, it's not wisdom. It's really, as James would go on to say, it's demonic. And if we try to show our wisdom for the sake of being seen by others, Jesus would say that we have received our reward. What wisdom is really all about is being people who put our wisdom into action with a God-fearing and meek heart that seeks to glorify him and not ourselves. That's what it means to make our wisdom from above visible. But the second thing that wisdom requires is that it be modest. You look in verses 14 through 16 and we see this truth very clearly explained. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, <clears throat> there will be disorder in every vile practice. If we are to be truly wise, we must do so in a way that is moral. We must do so in a way that is humbly moral. Here's what we mean by this. We have to be modest in our wisdom, and that meaning without jealousy without jealousy. I shouldn't be seeking wisdom because I want to be wiser than the guy next to me. I shouldn't be seeking to be wise just because I want to be the smartest guy in the room. I dare say the people who want to be the smartest guys in the room oftentimes remain the dumbest in the room because they choose to not be humble in their search for wisdom. And really, godly wisdom would allow us to realize that it's not a competitive spirit with which we seek after wisdom, but with a humble spirit. It's with being poor in spirit, knowing that without God, I can't do anything. And that includes being wise. And that jealousy definitely cannot be bitter. It can't be a strong jealousy that abides in our hearts and perpetuates every action that we do. But in addition, that, that humble wisdom, it can't be with selfishness. It can't be selfish. If you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. There are many intelligent people that we will see on our television screens, people whose words we will read. I find it, though, humbling that we can't know what's going on in their hearts. It's true in one sense that we can't know what's going on in their heart, and therefore we ought not assume that they're doing something through a self-seeking motivation. But may I propose the other side of that as well? Because we don't know what's going on in their heart, it's very possible they're doing this to be seen of men. This is very common, unfortunately, among preachers. It's very common, unfortunately, among elders. And yet what we need to understand from the word of God is that if we really want to be wise people, we can't do so for the sake of self-seeking motives. It can't be selfish. It can't be through selfish ambitions. It shouldn't just be that I can rise to the top. It shouldn't just be so that I can get my foot in the door. It's about getting other people into the kingdom of heaven. That's what it means to be truly wise in a heavenly way. 
But finally, if you want to be wise, if you want to do so humbly, you have to do so without falsehood. You have to do so without falsehood. Do not boast and be false to the truth. This isn't about boasting in terms of um, pitting yourself against others necessarily. What this is saying, though, is you shouldn't boast saying that you know everything, saying that you have all the answers. Instead, what this is, is you need to be true to the truth, the opposite of being false to the truth. It means that you are honoring the truth by humbly seeking after it and humbly living it. There is no possible way of exhibiting the wisdom from above if we don't bear these things to avoid in our minds. And I, and I, would, I would exhort all of us to really take some time before dismissing these things and saying, well, I don't show that in my life at all. Really think about it. Spend some time meditating on this and see if we really are free from these things. I promise that every single one of us in some way, shape, or form exhibits some of these qualities. And that's our life. We we're working on these things. We're trying to grow together in them. But bear in mind that we can't be wise in a way that's heavenly if we exhibit jealousy, selfishness, or falsehood in that. Verses 17 through 18, then, as was read for us just a moment ago, really shows us what it means to have the wisdom from above. Now, just like the fruit of the Spirit and the works of the flesh, we ought to bear in mind that there are more things that can be mentioned than simply these. We shouldn't just look at these attributes as a list of, of, the, of the only attributes that come with being wise. But we should instead look at these as, again, attributes. Let's look at these as a, as a small list of things that would really encompass a godly life. So let's read those again. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to comply, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Each of these points could be broken down in such thorough detail, but I really want us to focus on four particular things when we're talking about fruitfulness. First of all, fruitfulness prioritizes purity. It prioritizes purity, it prioritizes our own personal holiness, it prioritizes being free from impurity and uncleanness. We can't be wise if we're living immoral lives, right? It's very often that individuals who are the, the most deeply entrenched in a bad habit or in a, or in a deeply rooted sin are those who are preaching the strongest against it. Now is it to say that someone who sins cannot preach against sin? Certainly not. But what I am at the same time saying is that if you yourself are not being a model of purity in your own life, it's very possible that the wisdom from above is not something that you exhibit. I'm speaking to myself here as well. Please be very aware of that. If we are to be fruitful in the wisdom that we show, we need to prioritize purity in every facet of our lives. Nothing can be left exempt. Find those moral holes in your life and fill them with godliness. Our wisdom depends on that. The second thing that it prioritizes, though, is kindness. It's kindness. You look at several of these terms that are used, and these are terms that talk about our interpersonal relationships. To be peaceable means that you are seeking harmonious relationships with other people, right? Romans 12, 18 would tell us that as far as it depends on us to seek peace with everyone, right? What does it mean to be gentle? You could even render that word tolerant if you wanted. You could render it as kind or courteous. 
And ultimately what that's meaning is a kindness towards other people. It's meaning a gentleness towards other people. It's not just, it's not at all talking about being gentle towards yourself, though I'm sure that's a great thing to do. It's meaning that when you talk with other people that you are kind. This is, this is something that I think we need to bear in mind when we're on social media. When we're talking to people who disagree with us about religious things, political things, economic things, whatever it may be, let's prioritize kindness. By this they will know you are my disciples if you have love one for another, Jesus said, right? So we need to prioritize kindness as well as our purity. Looking further, it needs to prioritize peace. It needs to prioritize peace. Peaceable certainly denotes the, denotes the word peace. That much is obvious. But all of these things, being peaceable, being gentle, being willing to comply, being full of mercy and good fruits and being impartial, all of those matters are things that would lead you closer to being a peaceful person. Let me be very clear about this. Our religion is worthless if we think that being a Christian is about being contentious. I think sometimes we've learned to contend for the faith, but we don't know how to do so in a way that isn't contentious. Let's bear in mind, friends, that we need to be kind and we need to be peaceful as we spread the gospel to other people. We need to be peaceful when we talk to our neighbors who disagree with us. And who is our neighbor? Well, Jesus would say everybody. If we want to exhibit the wisdom from above, there is no way that peace can be left off of the table. If you think you are wise and you are not kind and you are not peaceful, you are not wise. And let's all take time to remember that. But finally, the major fruit of all of this is that we need to prioritize righteousness. We need to prioritize righteousness. Look in verse 18. And fruit, or you could say a harvest of righteousness, is sown in peace by those who bring about peace. You notice how being a peacemaker is so commonly exalted in Scripture? Being someone who seeks after peace, someone who longs after peace, someone who wants peace with those around them, that's exalted. And what peace leads to, if we allow it to do so, is righteousness. The overall goal of all of this that we're talking about is the fruit or the harvest of righteousness. And the peacemakers are the sowers of righteousness. If we miss that point, then all of this is is just a list of words that we can just look at, list, and memorize, and never think anything more deeply about. Our wisdom has to be of a fruitful kind, one that is pure, one that is kind, one that is peaceful, and one that exhibits righteousness in everything that it does. There are certainly some clarifications to make with some of these words. Does willing to comply necessarily mean that we, that we compromise on central doctrinal truths? Absolutely not. Not saying that, but I do think you can be a peaceable person in that. Does being peaceable mean that we never state our convictions to those who may disagree? No. At the same time, we can sometimes focus so much on the clarifications that we never focus on just what's written. Let us focus on what's written today and what's very clearly present in this text that if we are not pure, if we are not kind, if we are not peaceful, and if we are not righteous, if we don't prioritize righteousness in everything that we're doing in this wisdom from above, then our wisdom is of a secular kind and certainly not of a godly kind. 
point of all this is that a wise person is a righteous and peaceful person. A wise person is a righteous and peaceful person. I could go down the line of several individuals who have been called wise throughout the years. It was said of Socrates, for instance, that he brought philosophy down from the heavens. He was called a wise man that was so wise that many thought he was speaking on behalf of a god or that he was a god himself. Can I share with you, though, that Socrates wasn't a righteous person? And in many cases, he certainly wasn't a peaceful person. That's simply one example among many. But many of the individuals that we really uh, bring up and that, and that we put on a pedestal are individuals who don't exhibit these two qualities. None of us do this perfectly. I know that I myself do not do this perfectly and I'm working on that every single day. I just encourage all of us to join in that battle together. Let us all pursue a wisdom from above that allows us to be righteous and peaceable. A wisdom from above that allows us to be moral and humble. A wisdom from above that allows us to glorify God through the way that we conduct ourselves around the people that we love, care about, and ultimately want to bring to Christ. The book of James has so much wisdom to share with us. And one of the greatest things that it tells you is that, it wants, is that James wants you to become a Christian. He says that when that word is implanted into us, that we're able to make massive changes to our lives. And I encourage all of you today to really investigate where you are with God this morning. If you're here this morning and you have not been exhibiting that wisdom, if there's a way that you need prayers today, if you need to confess a sin before the congregation, we'd be happy to allow you to do that this morning. But at the same time, this entire discussion about wisdom is worthless, if not first given through the lens of, of asking this key question, are you even aware are you living a life that pursues heavenly wisdom? Well, there's only one way to do that. If you want to become a Christian, you have to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, believe in his divinity, and believe in his authority over your life as a result. He can create a universe and you can't. After that, you need to repent of your sins. You can't just come to Jesus in the same way that you are and go away from him in the same way that you are. Sure, come as you are, but be ready to put in a lot of work to change your life. That's what Jesus calls you to do. And after you confess his name before men, you have to be baptized for the remission of your sins. There's no person of the condition of accountability who's in heaven right now who hasn't been baptized. Bear all these things in mind. And as we pursue the wisdom from above, let us glorify God in every step that we take. If there's any way that we can help you this morning, won't you come now as we stand and sing?